Good morning. Good morning. So, I want to try to do the I want to try to do the worst part first. Right? Okay, the the worst part of the um publicly proclaiming the gospel or, you know, stepping up to speak. And that the worst part is just getting me out of the way, right? It's like so that's the, that's the worst part right now. It's just like me getting myself out of the way. So it's not okay. So don't be nervous. Uh, don't don't use uh, the same words over and over again. Try to stay in one spot. Realize that it's not about. Realize that it's not about. Me, right. It's not about whether I'm really good at this or not. It's not about whether or not I'm really eloquent or really flowery or flowy or everything comes together in a certain way. But it's about us hearing the Word of God. It, it's, a, it's about us receiving the truth. It, it's, a, it's about, well, it's about Him, right? I'm, I mean, I, I think that, I think we all s- say that, and we know that because we know the answer, right? And so, I, like, stepping up into this pulpit right now, it's like, I know the answer. It's all about Him, right? Like, this book, this book that I'm going to be sharing out of, the Bible, God's Word, like, I'm, I'm all over the place in here, and so are you, and we can see ourselves in the scripture, but it's not about us. This isn't about us. It's about him. It's about his glory and his story. And and that's what I know in my heart of hearts that I'm here to share because it's what I'm supposed to share. His his story. So it's kind of like both things happening at once here. I'm I'm saying these things to you, but I'm also saying these things to me, right? So I'm reminding myself of this stuff that's really important, is that it's all about Him, it's not about us. Our, we're all over this story because God is writing this to us about Himself, that we might know more about Him more about Him and more about His purposes and that we would line up with those. So, um, Chase would put John fourteen six up there. And I know it's on the screen, but I just, I want to read it. You know, Carrie and I were talking about this. We're talking about this earlier. I don't know if it was today or or last night about you know, having it, I, I used to like, like this is my notes now. It's just scribbles on a yellow legal pad. Um, they used to type the verses out. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying, oh, that's all wrong. You shouldn't type these things out. You should just read it from the Bible. And it's like, no, I'm, I don't want to go down that weird road. Um, but I do want to say this. It's like, I know that God's been challenging me to pick up his word and put it in front of me. Right? Because... Because honestly, I, I do this thing a lot, right? I mean, yes, I've got uh, Bible verses on here. I've got, and that won't work because I want it to. 
uh, Bible Gateway. I use Bible Gateway, and I read off here a lot. But but what really, really stands out, and I say this in as a way of encouragement, is pick up the paper with the pages and read it, because it does tend to stick up here a lot better than this thing does. Now, it's cool to have this. I'm not saying don't have God's Word everywhere you go and everywhere it's available, but but this sticks more. And if you really want it to stick, then write it down also, because that tends to make things stick. That's just a bonus thing, so just take that for what it's worth. And I'm going to put this thing in my pocket so it doesn't distract me. Oh, what's that? No, sorry. John 14.6 Jesus said to him, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not I am a way, a truth, and a life. But Jesus said, I am the way, exclusive, only. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the exclusivity of Christ. The world hates the exclusivity of Christ. Matter of fact, pre pre-born again, we all hated the exclusivity of Christ. Well, there's got to be more than one way to get to God. Right? There's got to be there's got to be more than one way to get there, more more than one path, more than one direction, more than one route. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. To frame this uh, in a way, and, and, I, and I'm hoping that this, you know, my mind is actually racing, but I'm, I'm hoping that this kind of speaks to us of sharing the gospel with people who struggle with the exclusivity of Christ. Is if I lived in a place that was very remote... And I don't. We live kind of on a main road. But if I lived in a place that was very remote, far off of the beaten path, and surrounded by, I don't know, forests and trees and deep chasms and caverns and all sorts of wild stuff and wild animals and everything else. And I lived back at the end of this very long and very narrow road. And I told someone, there's only one way to get to my house. I mean, if you want to live. There's only one way to get to my house. And you go to this certain road, and you make this certain turn. You don't go past it. You don't turn early. You turn right here at this spot. 
and you drive along this road, and these are the signs to watch for. There's only one way to get into this house, and that's it. Do you know that most people would not be offended by that at all, right? Like, they wouldn't be offended by the fact that I'm telling them, this is the only way to get to my house. Like, you want to go to somebody else's house, you follow their directions, but this is the only way to get to my house. And if you choose any other way to try to get to my house, you're probably going to get lost or die. Because there are a lot of hazards and dangers where I live. It's just remote, but it's a great place. When you get here, there'll be food, it'll be warm, it'll be nice, but you got to follow the directions to my house. No one's going to be offended by that exclusivity of the directions that I give to my house. And yet, people are so offended by the only way to God is through Christ. People get so wound up over that notion. I think there ought to be more than one way. Going back to my house, it's like, look, yeah, I mean, I guess you can try to get here. But you're going to die, and or it's just going to be miserable, or you're never going to get here because you're going to get lost. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, I love your directions to your house. I just don't love the directions to God, meaning Jesus. And it tells you that it's more than just logic, right? It tells you that more than, it's more than just what makes sense. It's more than just what makes sense or is logical. There's something else at work inside of us. That spiritual battle that only God can overcome. That's something inside of us that I will do it my way. Now, this is going to be a two-parter, so I'll let you know that. And next week, I want to come back and kind of dig a little deeper into that concept. But for now, I want to kind of get back to this picture, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to title this message, the title is going to be simply the gospel. Just simply the gospel. Now, in a sense, you know, um, for Carrie and I, we've talked a lot about this lately. That That phrase, simply the gospel, really defines our ministry. And I'm not saying that we have this like established ministry with all the you know letterheads and cards and all that kind of jazz. I'm not saying that. No, I'm just saying our ministry, the 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 call of God in our heart is is simply the gospel. And why the title or why that name simply the gospel is actually, and this is going to be telling. It just is. Um, it's inspired by food. <laughs> And I know that even in saying that, it causes certain reactions inside. But I'm going to overcome those obstacles. Um, it's inspired by food. And there, there's something that's been at work um, in Carrie and I for a while when it comes to you know how we eat and trying to just kind of just eat cleaner, eat healthier. Um, our, we've developed this preference for organic. You know, organic meaning like... They didn't hose it down with pesticides or herbicides or whatever, and it was planted in ground that wasn't soaked in those later on, and and that kind of stuff. So it was like, hey, as God as God made it, we plant it, 
we grow it up, we harvest it, we eat it, we put the seeds back in the ground, and we do that kind of process again and again. So we've developed this preference for for organic food. Um, and another thing is like non-genetically modified, like really kind of leaning into that non-genetically modified stuff, because I think if it took a chemistry project to make this happen, probably not food. I'm just, you know, kind of leaning in that direction towards like, this is probably not food. You know, we've... And and then there's the concept of people playing God with like vegetables and things. It's like you just don't, you know. That's just that's just jacked up. Can I just say that that that's just kind of messed up, and it kind of defies the original intention and plan of God was food was to be in a certain way, and He designed it to you know and and the and all the critters that we oh we hate these critters, but they they actually serve a purpose in the whole process to make it healthy and good and. And then also there's kind of like a little bit of the curse involved in it because you're going to have to weed it and you're going to have to deal with the bugs and all that other stuff. And those of you who have gardens or feeling some pain right now, I'm just going to kind of step away from that quickly and go on somewhere else. Uh, basically, it's it's harvest to the bag or harvest you know to the mouth with minimal processing and uh, few ingredients, zero man-made or m- manipulated ingredients so that's kind of what we're shooting for when it comes to food well the the labels for most of these foods are kind of they kind of go simply right simply okay my favorite i'm gonna tell you simply doritos like i'm just i'm all over simply doritos and i shouldn't have said that because that even creates more of that thing but simply doritos and I, and I just reading the packaging and everything else, and I'm not trying to like I'm not like paid spokesperson. I don't have a T-shirt. I actually have a chosen T-shirt, and I don't have a Doritos T-shirt. I'm going to unfold it later and say, you know, well, actually, I'm sponsored by Simply Doritos or Simply anything or Simply Organic or Simply whatever. All these some of their things, but it was just like that concept of simply just here it is, just the basics. Here's the food. And then that began to turn into expressions or understanding of of the gospel in, in God's words. And it's to say simply the gospel. Right? Nothing that's uh genetically modified. You know, nothing that's got additives to it. You know, it's not Jesus and. And so you see that exclusivity there again. It's not Jesus and you know, a higher metabolic rate. You know, it's Jesus and sports cars. Jesus and something. I don't know. Fill in the blank. There are so many things that we want to inject in there. It's Jesus and, you know, being one with the universe. I don't know, whatever that means or whatever that oddity weirdness is. Jesus and. It's like, let's put some things in there. Let's add something to it. Let's take something away from it. No, it's just very simply the gospel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Simply, simply the gospel. And I know, I have great confidence in that because of what it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And Paul is preaching this to Corinthians, and if there's 
if there's ever been a time or a way that we could identify with Paul preaching to Corinthians, I think it's kind of now. Um, and I won't get into the details of of the Corinthian people or their lifestyle. Some of you probably are familiar a little bit with the Corinthian. In a lot of places, a lot of places that Paul went were port cities, right? They were they were areas a high traffic. A lot of commerce and a lot of cultures mixed together. And he went into these places and, and he found, you know, he would look for a synagogue. He would look for a place where the Jewish people were and then he would go to them and he would begin preaching the gospel to them. Now, the reason, and, and I'm not going to try not to just get hung up any, I'm trying to try, try not to get hung up any place, but the reason that he went to those people first was because not so much the I'm just going to go strictly after the Jewish people because he knew his calling was to all but as they had the most context of God and his story in their lives they they had that more they had more a hold of God's story in scripture than anyone else. The Gentiles had no clue except that they would run into a Jew and maybe see some things or or experience something that they were doing. But they were the ones who had the context, right? They had the story from creation on. So they had an understanding already. So to bring the gospel into that place was a very good place to start. Because you start with a people who already kind of are supposed to know what's going on. And then you introduce to them the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. You bring all the context of teaching that they've had. Join in the gospel of Christ, the good news that Christ the Messiah died for your sins. You put those things together and the hope is that God takes those words and those truths those stories those images that they would have and he moves that to salvation and they connect and they believe jesus and they begin to become this force of the gospel moving out in the communities right now that's corinth and that's the port cities and that's the places that paul went stepping over into now in this ministry that i'm speaking of doing that, that's why sharing the gospel with a church where you would think, well, everybody knows the gospel. I mean, I, I look at AV Church here and, and I see a lot of things because I, I know that the word's preached here. I just do. I know it's preached. I know Randy's heart, Dusty's heart, you know, Jesse, Brian, you know, diff, different ones who I know that share and stand up in front. I know that the gospel's going to be spoken here, Right? I get that. But as we go into the world that's called the church, there, there's just not so much of that. Not as much as you would think. So Paul goes into the synagogues in these bustling cities or whatever to reach, to make the connection of the gospel with those who already should know the story. Now I, I find myself doing this in 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 moving this direction because I feel like God is saying go into some place where they ought to already kind of know and have the connection 
They ought to have the story. They ought to have the words. But connect them to the gospel. Because they've kind of chased after a whole lot of different things. They've been told of a Messiah. They've been told of hope. They've been told of promises and everything else. Even been told his name is Jesus. But they've not been given They've not received, they've not responded to, they've not heard, it's not entertained them, the gospel. And you think, wow, that's kind of weird. But it's true. And that's where we find Paul kind of winding back into this message. Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-11. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. And he said, of first importance, of first importance is the gospel. Of first importance is the the gospel, the good news. And he had said it to them earlier, and I'm kind of going to jump back in Paul's letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And he says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So. When I said something earlier about just kind of getting myself out of the way, it really, this is what it really says to me. I didn't come to you deciding to be eloquent. I didn't come to you just deciding that I, I needed to impress somebody. Like I, need, I really need to do a really good job here and really be impressive with the word and and, and show how I can really like I really can get around it and I really do know God and, and I know the, the how to rightly divide or, or any, 
but but just saying to simply want to present the gospel just to simply present the the good news we've decided to know nothing except just Christ and him crucified and i think of that in that sense of like paul being in front of all these people like you, a little history with paul he studied i mean in 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 the time that Paul was alive, he studied under the man. I mean, he studied under the dude, you know, Gamaliel. He was this genius among Paul's group, the Pharisees. Like, they were meticulous. They were sticklers for the word. They pretty much had, I would say it would be safe to say, they pretty much had the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, memorized memorized like i struggle to memorize just a few of the verses today so i could not be going and i when i came to you like you know what i'm saying they memorized that they could just pull it out and just there it was so it wasn't like paul couldn't be eloquent with these people it wasn't like paul couldn't be impressive with these people but what he was saying and i guess what i am saying is not our, you know, rapier wit that we can cut up the words and know everything to say, know all the arguments and know how to put it all together, know all of the the verbiage to really impress someone with our intelligence or our, our understanding of Scripture or life or philosophy or anything else. But it's the power of God's Spirit Meeting our intention for people to know Jesus and not us. Right? And I think that's the big thing for us, kind of cooking it down to what matters here with us. Is you and I could impress people with, I don't know, maybe a lot of things. Really great character. I mean, I hope it's that. You know, our kindness and goodness toward others. And I hope it's that. Those are evidences of God's Spirit at work in us. But we can impress people with a lot of words and and our memory and our ability to kind of dance around subjects, to be quick-witted when questions come up, be able to answer them rapidly. Wow, that's impressive. But it's not nearly as impressive as our intention to, to have people receive Jesus, to receive God's plan, and us simply, with intention, proclaiming the truth and the gospel to people, like in word and deed, and having the power of God's Holy Spirit change that person. That is so much more impressive to me than being able to convince someone with arguments and, and riddles and logic and philosophy. That's so much more powerful. And that's what Paul was saying to them. Is like, you know, like I could have come like this, but I decided, like actively, I don't want you to see me and my words. And I know for the Corinthians, they were, they were dealing with people there. They were the super apostles. Like there was these, these eloquent people who were coming and speaking, and they were like, wow, Paul's lame. 
compared to these guys. They're amazing. And Paul, well, he's just kind of bumbling around here, just kind of pretty plain, pretty straightforward. And Paul was saying, it's like, I don't want you to be impressed with people, with status. That's something he was drilling into the Corinthian church. I don't want you to be impressed with the big show. I want you to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be changed because God's word is infused in you. And it just can't help but come out of you. Vocally, in the words, but also just in action, in your practice, in what you do and how you live, how you walk. It's like the power of God's spirit is so strong that it's moving you in bringing out of you things that bring glory to God and keep pointing people, just continually pointing people to that one path, right? One path to get to the house, then all of our stuff needs to be pointing to that one path. And we are meant to be, we are meant to be the signs on that road, down that one path, to that one way, to get to God. We are to be those road signs. You and I are to be those road signs that are pointing people to Jesus. The only way to get to God. The only way to get to the house, the remote house at the end of the road. Why is it so important for us to get this? Um, number one, it's foundational. It's foundational. Like, agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. Like right now, I am walking on this stage, and it is solid underneath me. I am sure of this foundation that I'm standing on. And in a literal sense, I saw it built. I know what's underneath here, structure-wise. Now, if you're kind of questionable, see, you know, it's been a few years ago. Okay, well, fine. There are several inches of concrete underneath my feet right now. I am sure of that. And it may have a crack or two. And I know there's a ton of words underneath this carpeting, scriptures and a bunch of other stuff. But I know that this concrete is solid. And I can stand on it. Now, you can agree or disagree. And I can agree or disagree. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change anything because it is. It is. Immovable, unshakable, underneath me in this very moment right now. There's nothing I can do right here, right now, that's going to change that. Believe it or not, here it is. And that's the gospel. It is foundational. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. The gospel is still the gospel. And that's why it's so important for us to get it. It's secure and it's sure. We did not make it. It is making us. You know what I'm saying? We didn't do it. It's done. Now you understand that, you know, Christianity and, and what we walk in, the truth of Christianity is, well, okay. There are two religions in the world. There's only two. 
if you look through all of history and all of everything, there are only two religions in the world. Do and done. Right? You understand what I'm saying when I say do and done? The one religion is do. Do, 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 and keep doing. And if you do enough of the prescribed whatever, and the list is very random, and it's all over the place, and as soon as one thing's established, it changes, and now you're like, okay, great. <clears throat> it's been moved, so now what? I'll just keep doing. Do, 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 do. And hopefully, after doing enough, then God's going to say, okay, you're in. You've, you, you're one of the, the few. But you just got to keep do, do, do. The other religion is done. It was Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. Not started. Not it's a good head start, gang. I hope you can make it. It is finished. The work is done. And now for us as believers, it's not the doing that makes something, but it's being made by someone that creates the doing. It's a result. It's not the first work that gets us there. But this gospel, this gospel that we preach it is foundational. And the enemy maneuvers to get us out of position. Right? The, the enemy maneuvers to get us out of position. To get us basically kind of off our feet. You know, in a weird part of the field kind of off doing something, chasing after things that don't really exist and that aren't really necessary, aren't really that important. To get us away from the gospel, to get us away from the truth, to get us away from leading people to relationship with Christ, to bring the gospel, and he knocks us off our feet. His, that's his, his whole aim. And that's why so much of Scripture speaks to us as believers, and it's got this term of wrestling in it. Right? And I want to share... Uh, Oh, goodness. Uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And you're familiar, I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with these words, but therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having on the put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take 
the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The enemy knows that off stance, and, and I want to, you know, try not to be just too sports thingy, but, but just like stance. So you see people who are getting ready to wrestle. There's not some dude just kind of going, yeah, that, that, that's, oh yeah, that one, I'm ready. Yeah, bring it, you know. But you see that they're like, I know something's coming, right? And the the dude might be bigger than me, stronger than me, quicker than me, whatever. But I got to figure out how to outmaneuver this person because it's not the big and it's not the strong. And it's not the fastest. It's just somebody who's like, just whoever's on top at the end of this. And I want to be that guy. So you're you're braced. You're ready. You know, I'm ready for this fight. And the enemy's tactics aren't, you know, I'm just going to jump on them and no, just get them off their feet. If I can get them off stance, off stance is the first step to knocked over. Now I want to bring the illustration into context. I'm not talking about, oh, and you can suddenly lose your soul because the enemy got you off balance. No, it's just lose your position. You can lose your position to speak to the truth because you've been kind of knocked off of the foundation a little bit. You've been knocked away from, you've been taken off of the platform on which you are supposed to stand, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in the wrestling, it's like stand firm. Feet planted. And you notice all the things he's talking about, putting on and taking, all those things, you know, they all, the readiness, yeah, right there at the, at the first of that verse, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Shield of faith, the flaming darts, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying, all of these things, they all come to us because of the work of the gospel in our lives. That's our platform. That's our platform to stand on. And the enemy wants to knock us off of that. All stance is the first step to knocked over. And we don't want to get knocked over. Like we don't want to be knocked out of the wrestling match. We don't want to be knocked out of the battle and, and kind of kicked off to the side someplace. We want to stay in it. Be intentional to stay in the battle, to be a part of what God is doing, to bring the gospel to the world, in every part of the world. Sometimes even more especially, as I was saying about Paul talking to the, going to the synagogues of the Corinthians, even more especially into what is called the church today, is bringing the gospel to bear everywhere not just making assumptions that it's everywhere but always bringing it to bear everywhere and the uh goodness there's a lot and i'm yeah we've got to like one right so we're good we're good till one o'clock give or take okay
Just checking. I mean, I'm coming back next week, so there can be part two. But why it's important to get this, number one, it's foundational. And number two, it's it's God's message. It's God's message. And as far as we're concerned, it's the only message he has. That's that that's God's only message. Right? It's the gospel. Now, I don't think it's just like this little narrow tiny thing, you know. If you back if you and I back up from the word of God and we look at it in its entirety, written in this word from front to back is well, I'm going to get into it more next week, but good news because there was bad news. In all of the scriptures and all of the things in the Old Testament just keep pointing to bad news, bad news, bad news. People tried it, people tried it, people tried it, people couldn't do it. There better be a Messiah someplace because these jokers can't pull anything together for any length of time. And and I'm sorry, but we get we get included in the these jokers. Just fact. Hate to burst bubbles, but we're part of those jokers that can't get anything right. It it came down to God saying there's only one way. So all of the Bible points to Jesus. And all of the Bible then is reflecting the gospel. The good news is in it. From cover to cover. That we were apart from God. That God did something about it. And not just kind of like a, oh, kind of a knee-jerk reaction to the scenario. From all eternity, God said, redemption. And I don't... Like, if you think that I understand that, like how from eternity past and God yet created and I don't even I don't even want to go there. Like, I'm going to let that mystery stay that mystery because God knows why from the very beginning before there was us. He chose to do these things, but it's there. It's his message cover to cover is the gospel. So that's. Second reason why it's important to get this. And I'm only going to give three. I'm sure we could probably dig around and find more. Um, it's his message. And Paul says like this. There, 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 is, there is no other. There is no other gospel. And he dealt with this in Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 12. So Paul talking to the Galatians, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And this is powerful words that Paul uses right here. But even if we or an angel 
from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Like he says it again for emphasis. Like I really, Paul's saying, I really want to make this point to you. There is only one gospel. And if I came back to you two years from now and I'm giving you something else besides this word, don't listen to it. An angel comes down and says, well, there's another gospel and it kind of looks like this or whatever. Don't listen to it. Let them be accursed. For I am... Am I now speaking for the approval of man or of God? Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's God's message, and there's not another one. So we got it's foundational, and it's God's message. And the third thing is that it's under attack more now than ever before. It's under attack more now than ever before. And I know that that's a perspective. I know now that for me that's a perspective thing because I'm listening in a lot bigger ways than I ever did and really trying hard to lose the assumptions that just because it says church that it's really a church of God or just because it says gospel that it really is the gospel. Because people will name the name of Christ. And this is freaky to me. But the Christ that they mean is something weird. Like some new age universe. Well, it's the universal Christ, not Jesus, the, the Christ. It's this kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of thing you know like over there somewhere it's like really okay you have licked the one toad too many or there's something really wrong here right but it's that and don't i'm sorry don't lick toads that's someone's curious now oh really what no just don't do that but the gospel the real gospel and a real understanding of who Jesus really is, it's under attack. On every, in every place. Now, I say perspective because it's always been that way. It's always been that way. We'll get into it more next week because I know there's just a lot kind of brewing in my head and I don't want to like cross up a lot of stuff and just kind of like, well, I'm saying a bunch of different things and get people kind of go in different directions here. But from the beginning, 
our enemy, the accuser, has been saying in church, out of church, to the children of God and to those outside, did God really say? Did God really say that? Did God really say that? I don't, or, or I've heard this in, in kind of in settings where believing to be Christian, where someone's saying it's like, well, I know the plain face reading of what you're seeing here on these pages says this. But I can't see that God really means that. So we're going to do a little philosophical meandering through this to kind of come up with an idea that matches what some mommy blogger said on something or, you know, I saw on a TED talk for four minutes and I've got a great education now from that four minutes of a TED talk. And so I'm going to come out here blowing. That's not really. So what it really means when it when the Bible says this is some, you know, did it really? Does God really say, you know, let's just keep switching the cones around. Well, where is the real kernel of truth? Well, it changed hands enough and there's none under any of them. It's so important for us to get the gospel because it's foundational. It's God's message. And it's under attack more than ever before. And I'm not saying, you know, mentioning it being under attack because, you know, I, you know, the gospel could be destroyed and lost. No. Like you're not going to change that. You know, because the, because the enemy attacks and I'm sure I got an idea that maybe the enemy probably knows that. I don't know that for sure. You know, but you're not going to tear it down. I'm not saying it because they believe it can be destroyed, but because the smoke and the dust in the artillery, if you get where I'm illustrating here, can be distracting and it can be disorienting. If our footing isn't sound, or our knowledge of where the foundation is, is off. Where we are in relation to the solid footing. To know and make it known. This is where the solid ground is. Because... In the hubbub and the confusion and the noise of a lot of people debating and arguing about stuff, that's the battle. That's the fight. That's the wrestling match. And there's a lot of stuff going on in this world right now. Probably, probably more we've seen more than we've ever seen before because you can pull out your little rectangle and, and hear thousands upon thousands of different viewpoints and ideologies. And I'll agree with a lot of them and maybe disagree with a few others and it just like become this big swirl of there's just this weird political soup and it's like this this unreasonable like have people lost their minds kind of look at the world around us because it's not that people are dumb it's that reason has left the room and again back to the toads like the world has licked the toad and it's just like jacked them all up and i keep saying that and give you reference there Oh, I don't want to tell people that there's frogs that can mess your brain up, you know, and make you think dumb things, just really off the wall stuff. 
Um, I guess you don't need frogs anymore. There's probably more drugs running around this world than ever before. But the point being, there are just so many things coming at us, so many ideas, and they look really close. Some of them, like, they look super close. Hey, y'all, but he said Jesus. Like, this dude got up on the stage holding up his trophy, and he talked about Jesus. Come on, let's run up behind him because he's one of us. And about three months down the road, the Jesus he's talking about is like, you know, way off someplace else. And you have to go, well, I don't know. And how many people have been taken off their footing? Not their soul is lost. No, but they've been taken off their footing by chasing after these things because there's just so much, there's dust and noise and confusion in the battle. And we've lost track of where our footing really is. You know, we're placing our hope sometimes in, you know, maybe it's in a political structure or an ideology or some philosophy that's going to change the world and make everything better for Christians and it's going to just be a better all the way around. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Who cares? Our footing and our hope and our hold is not what some man's going to decide, but on what's been decided. The gospel, the foundation, standing on those things that cannot be moved. So what is our call in the middle of this noise and dust and everything else? It is to be constantly mindful of the foundation and where we are in relation to it and calling it out. So if our brothers or sisters in Christ are struggling with their footing to say, foundation is here. We're standing on it. The foundation is here. Here is the sure footing. Get on it. Jump over here and get on it. This is the footing we stand on. The gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where we plant our feet. It's not going to go out from underneath you. The rain's not going to come and it's going to turn to mud. You're just going to end up sinking someplace deep and not being able to move. This is the foundation. Now more than ever before for us, children of God, is to know what we believe and why we believe it. And have our feet placed firmly on something that will not move. That will not be shaken. The philosophies, the philosophies of men, even great Christian men, the philosophies will, will fade into the distance. And what will always stand is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The story that God has written will always stand. He gives us a firm foundation to go to. Now, this really illustrated to me, um, and and I'm not going to try to quote this from this movie, from this time, or whatever period, or because I'm just like it's fuzzy, but I remember. It feels like it was like a Tom Sawyer, Sawyer Huck Finn kind of movie that I saw when I was a kid. But <clears throat> the concept was that this 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 kid was going to pilot a riverboat, right? Because he just confident that he could pilot this riverboat because he'd watched the captain pilot it. I could drive this. 
And the captain's like, there's a lot more to it than just turning that wheel up there, Sonny. There's a lot more to it than just, you know, just standing up there looking all tall and proud with the hat on and all the stuff. Ah, I can do that. I can do that. So, as a little lesson, captain said, okay, come up here. There's a lot to watch for. They just kind of rattle off this list of things you got to know. Oh, I got it. I got it. And he's up there. You got to stay in the channel, you know, because if you, if you get out of the channel, and you start to run into the shallows, you'll flip this dude over and we'll lose the whole thing. People will die. It'll burn up. I mean, there's just a lot of bad stuff's going to happen. Oh, I got it. I got it. You know, how hard could it be? So he's up there and he's, you know, turning the wheel. And he feels pretty cool. Well, unbeknownst to him, the captain had kind of played a little trick on him. There was a guy that when they were in the channel would sound off the depths, right? Had a Had a little rope that he would drop with markings on it. And he would lower that down and pull it up, you know, 20 feet, 30 feet, you know, as they're, so as they're going through these narrows or whatever, he's just calling it off, calling it off, calling it off. Well, the captain brought a faker up there with him. They're all in on this trick, you know, and he's calling off 20 feet, 18 feet. 16 feet and captain's like you better do something about the sun he's like i am and he's turning the wheel and he's trying to of course the captain knows they're in a part of the river that's completely clear the channel is as wide as the river is and it's super deep but he didn't know that pilot in the boat and he's beginning to freak out now down on the deck you know is like the co-pilot of the of the vessel got a guy down there actually sounding to make sure nothing weird happens. But the whole time he's down there whispering. No bottom. No bottom. No bottom. But up on the deck. You know 12. 10. 8. And he's dialing the wheel back and forth. And he's just taking that riverboat all over the place. He's, we're going to die. Well, what do I do? What do I do? See, it's a lot harder than you thought it was, isn't it? Six feet. Ah, well, they got their laugh and everything else at his expense. Because he was arrogant a little. Believe, oh, I can. Yeah, I've seen you do it. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. We cannot do that. We must be piloted by the spirit of god we must walk by the spirit that's when you hear that walk by the spirit that means that we need to be piloted by the spirit of god we need to be piloted by the true depth not the one that's being called out to us making us wander all over the place looking for what's real and what's not but we need to be piloted by the Spirit of God, who will lead us always to the solid foundation that we stand on and can stand on and jump up and down on, and it will never, ever move. We all need that foundation. So, apart from knowing Christ, you need that foundation. Apart from knowing the saving work of Jesus Christ. You need that foundation. 
Otherwise, your feet are planted firmly in midair. Like you're just whatever, whatever the next philosophy that seems good, you're going to go to it and go to it and go to it. And your heart, your mind to go anything but Jesus, anything but that one way. I want to go that way. There's got to be another way to figure this out. I got to be good enough or maybe I've just done uh, my good deeds have outdone this and that. And it's just like you're just chasing things around. You need. If you don't know that foundation, it's not a sure thing by the spirit of God in your heart to know that foundation. You need that foundation. So if you don't know Jesus. Look to him and live. Look to Him and live. But knowing Jesus, knowing the work of God's Spirit, knowing His call on your life and His work in you, knowing it, you need that foundation. I need that foundation. So it's not just going to be you, you, you. I, we need that foundation. And to come back to it again and again and again. Daily coming back to it. One last picture in my mind that goes with that. I had this image and I was going to use it someplace else, but we'll do it here. Of a hot air balloon tethered to a concrete anchor. And that... Balloons designed to ascend and carry great loads and people to to great distances in fair winds. And then to be anchored again to that same back to the earth, anchored to a solid foundation again. But when the storm comes and the battles rage, you don't want the ropes just laying on the ground. Well, it'll, it'll stay. It ain't going anywhere. Because the wind will come and it will blow that. And it will blow it and dash it to bits. It will pick it up and take it who knows where. And it will end up smashed into something. All the, all the cargo will be lost. If there are people inside of it, they could be, their lives could be lost. But if it's tied back to that anchor, storms come and blow, it's fixed. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's fixed. So I want you to picture in your mind one man whose job every day is to go up and check those anchors. Goes up to each one, pulls on the rope. Yeah, the anchor's solid. The concrete, it's a concrete pad buried so many feet in the ground. It's not going anywhere. Are the ropes fixed? Are there any frays, any tears? Are there any things in the, in the rings that the ropes are mounted to on this big floating device? Is there anything that needs to end just like every day? This is job. Pull, check. Pull, check, pull, check. And you think, wow, what a... Well, that's boring. Doesn't he want adventure? I'm going to go do something crazy and wild and live his life and do all this stuff. You know, live the dream. You know, come on, Disney, where are you at? Singing a song, get him away from this mess and out to the world. See, the, you know, whatever. Boring, just every day. Check it, check it, check it, check it. There's never anything wrong with it. What's he doing? That's boring. Come on. Doesn't he want more? But when the wind comes and when the storm blows and stuff is crazy, suddenly that guy's job's not boring anymore. And when he goes out there the next day 
and everything is still fast to where it was. The cargo is safe and everything's in order. That job wasn't boring anymore now, was it? It was critical. Now I'm talking about a balloon and ropes and everything else, but how much more our relationship with God and the gospel. So the gospel's not boring. The world's looking for new stories, but we, this is, this is it, y'all. This is the story. This gospel is the story. So we don't need to be afraid that every day, <clears throat> there's the foundation. It's solid truth. It's not going anywhere. And my ropes and all of my, my little connectors and everything else about me, they are fixed, tied tight to this foundation. And if you find, by reference to the Word of God, which is this kind of daily pouring over it, ooh, hey, you know what? I got a rope that's kind of frayed, <laughs> right? I got a ring that's kind of loose. I got some stuff that's sort of like not holding like it used to hold some or other. Ah, that, that ring, that needs to be fixed. There's, some, there's, a, there's a something in the bearing of this, what's holding to this, that's got to be changed then that daily reading is not boring anymore because it's saving us from really crazy stuff when the storms happen. Because it's part of being anchored. Anchored to the truth. Anchored to the gospel. Day after day after day after day. So it can seem monotonous, maybe. And it can make us want to look for something fresh. But we don't need fresh. We need what is there to be true and real and right. And I really believe that that's why that God does just allow some storms in our lives. You know? Because I, I know that that does remind us sometimes of our own frailty. And it really reminds us of our own need. Because left to ourselves, left to ourselves, we'll think we can handle anything. Like left to ourselves, we'll try. To handle anything and everything. I got this. I got this. I can pilot this boat. Shoot, anybody could do that. Ten feet. Eight feet. Oh, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Listen to the truth. Get back to the anchor. Get back to the truth. Get back to the real depth. The real sounding. Someone's messing with you. Get back to the truth. Get back to the foundation. And that is our invitation in the now. If you don't have that foundation, like you've never had that foundation, but God just kind of flips some switches in your head and you're like, I need that foundation. Then that foundation is Christ and call on Him. But if you're in that place where like I know that I've kind of like wandered away from that anchor place and I just need to get back there. I got a couple of rings that are busted. <laughs> you know, I got a rope that's frayed a little bit. Today and now is the time for you to purpose in your heart to go. Purpose in your heart where go to go where God is calling you back to that foundation. Back to those deep and true things about the Word of God. Back to those things that cannot be shaken. And I encourage that 
I pray that, that that's what God really accomplishes for your sake, for His glory, and for your joy. Um, and I want to pray just over, over, over this. Father, may Your Word... Um, may your word accomplish what you intended it to. Um, and I know that you have lit some stuff in my heart and it's uh, such a joy to feel that fire. Um, in my prayer, Lord, keep keep doing that. And keep us ever mindful of where our feet are in relation to where your foundation is. And always, always, always seek to come back to your foundation. To your truth and walk in it. And I pray as we finish our, just our our moments here. I pray that you accomplish more than we could even ask or think because you know more than we could ask or think about today and its moment and your words and the place where your eternity is touching our time. So I pray today for our fellowship and I pray today for what we do beyond just this this moment and these moments that we've had. May you receive the glory. May we find great joy in just that, that you are receiving glory from our intentions and in our heart toward you and toward others. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.